Support for 100 Watts in a Wire is brought to you in part by ICOM. June kicked off hurricane season and another rough wildfire season may be on the horizon. When natural disasters strike, cellular towers and power grids can quickly become overloaded and incapacitated. Emergency comms need to be instant, reliable, and allow interoperation with other organizations and agencies for relief coordination. In addition to their lineup of amateur D-Star digital, HF, and analog radios, they have an ICSAT-100, it's a portable satellite radio, and the IP501H and M LTE radios are ideal solutions for additional coverage. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all ICOM radios. And now, from Grid Square Echo Mike 48, this is 100 Watts and a Wire. All righty, friends. Hello and welcome to 100 Watts and a Wire. My name is Christian. I uh, hope you are enjoying your summertime as this goes out. We're looking at July. I mean, and it's hot. We're going to get to 105 heat index here. We've had a few days that were just really pleasant. And today, it's like, why don't you do something in the shack? That would be fun. Let's just do that. So uh, that's what we'll probably be doing. Uh, game time temperature, 83 degrees. You're uh, welcome to post yours if you've got one of those weather gadgets that tell you uh, what it's doing. We've got 80% humidity and 83 degrees now, 77 in the shack. You may hear me turn on this fan uh, momentarily, but we'll, we'll see how we go. The noise you hear is the amplifier uh, that's running the... Uh, the 7610. Nobody on frequency. Uh, if somebody wants to take it, what are we looking at here this morning? Oh, I'm, I'm sitting on 7181, but uh, not taking calls. We're going to talk about something that's a little heavy, I think. But I feel like we should talk about diversity and inclusion in ham radio, and specifically here in America. I think other places are a little bit... Well, they have people of color. They have uh, women and all that sort of thing. And, and it came up because yes, uh, last week we talked about uh, Yoda, the Yoda camp, Youth on the Air camp. And there, that always sort of brings some sort of, what do we do? What should we continue to do to bring uh, kids and the youngsters, which I hate that word, just a youngster. That'd be a good start. Pull that one out. But youth better. I don't know what the terminology would be, but I get asked you know what should we do and it's always kind of these things that are a little it's like i don't it's not really my problem i understand that businesses have to look at the future who are they going to sell this crap to basically who are they going well, so it's their problem they need to figure out how to become more inclusive and diverse in their hiring and the practices this is just now this is what's up as far as like getting the hobby and the service into the future it's going to find people that look like me it's going to it's it's you know so let's focus maybe on uh people of color and women let's just stick with those topics at the moment i have a guest here i'm going to bring on here in a little bit frankie kilo echo eight hotel papa alpha and we'll talk to her and get a young lady's perspective of what's going on and I want to hear from you guys as well but it's not it's not such a heavy topic that we can't uh, be civil about it 
But I get, you know what? What are the kids like? They like, uh, and, it, and it's ideas like, we'll just get some candy. I'm like, nope, that's creepy. Balloons, they like the balloons. Will it fly a balloon? The kids like the balloons, right? And it's all these sort of things that are already happened. Let's do a, the fox hunt. All is great. It's great. Keep doing that. What are we missing? I never hear the forums. You go to the forum is, got to get the youth. Got to get the, what, what got to get the youth. And here's the key. And I never hear this diversity and uh, being inclusive to people. And I'll get invited, though. Some people are very sweet. They'll, they'll say, Christian, why don't you come and present at the forum? You can come talk. And I'm like, ah, thank you so much. I don't think that's a great idea. Uh, for one, I'm not as technical as uh, most people are. I don't build things. I, you know, I usually talk into this thing. And I'm learning as we go. What would I even talk about? And I politely decline, uh, but I watch the forums, and I don't hear these topics come up. And it's, it's not like it's unique to ham radio. It's probably everywhere. But if you really want, in my opinion, the shortest form ever is be diverse and inclusive to everybody. And if you can't, you know, you're not mentioning these things and talking about these things, then you're really not serious. You're really not serious about change in the future you're worried about what you got going on now um and that's what i'll say about it and then the people will come back and say see child this is what you can talk about at the forum talk about the community that you built well the reason that the community is anything and it's probably not the biggest or the best community at all but it's i didn't even have to do anything i just opened the door and said everybody's welcome everybody is welcome here just don't be an alpha hotel. Be cool. Treat people with respect. Don't be sexist, racist, whatever, all this. And everybody's welcome. Another short forum speech by K0STH. You're not going to bring me out there to talk about that. But it's a challenge to, you know, everybody in this community, if you're really serious about that. When you go to the forums, you should hear it. When you watch these shows and you hear discussions about the future. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? That's my best piece of advice. I'm, I'm interested in hearing from anybody in the chat. If you're new, put new. would love to meet you. A great community of people here. But the reason this community came to be was very simple. It was uh, from day one. Everybody's welcome. Unless you're a D-bag, then you should probably go and find another group because there's plenty of groups uh, like that. Let me uh, button up myself here just a little bit because I have a guest and uh, we both love classical ballet. So for the next 40 minutes, here goes the algorithm. The next 40 minutes will be about classical ballet. And if you don't dig it, I'm just joking. We will talk about that probably uh, privately. Here's Frankie. Frankie's here, Kilo Echo 8, Hotel Papa Alpha. And uh, welcome to 100 Watts in a Wire. And I know you're out uh, to talk about the camp. You were a member of the camp. You're college student. Let's start with... Um, the titles. Youngster is not the right title for this, right? What, what, what would you suggest? I don't know. That is a really good question, but we talked about that a little bit at camp as well because, you know, when they said youngster at first, we we're all like, oh, we're the youngsters. Okay. Because, you know, even in the group, it was um, like about ages 15 to 25. So I guess we were, you know, we're, we're younger, but I don't know if we're youngsters. So because I think that we as, you know, youth um, in ham radio, we have a lot to bring to the table as well as, you know, our Elmers and, you know, older members of the community. So, 
you know, I guess the youngster just kind of makes it sound like, you know, we don't have that much to offer. So. And I took, I saw the pictures of the camp and of course we know Neil, Neil's a friend and he's, he's been around since I was licensed and I know him and he's friends uh, with uh, the whole crew that's, that's here. And they did a really good job in Sterling. I, I wasn't there, but I know what they put into it behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So yes. I know they worked oh, really hard to make it a cool thing for you guys. But I did notice when you guys were all taking the pictures together, not as many women, not as many women, right? Not as many people of color. And I want to know if you feel comfortable that you would talk a little bit about what you see as being the next generation in this hobby. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, even talking about like the, the um, you know, the, there weren't as many women in the camp, but honestly, that was my first experience, um, you know, meeting a lot of other um, women in ham radio as well. So that was something that was really exciting for me. But, you know, it's just interesting to see where, where it will go in the future and, you know, what other people we were missing at the camp. But actually, there were a few members of the camp who weren't able to, um, you know, come into the country because of the vaccination requirements. So there were a few students from Mexico and South America that just weren't able to come and, you know, bring the representation from their country and, you know, share their stories about ham radio where they live as well. So I look forward to, you know, maybe in the next camp or in future camps to see more of those people there as well. Did you think that Wow. I mean, this isn't to say that the camp was void. This isn't an indictment of the camp at all. This is just uh, the demographics that were made up and represented there. When you got to the camp, were you like, cool, like a couple other girls. This is cool. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, at first, I was like, wow, I, I want to hear how they got into ham radio and what, what they like to do with it. Because, you know, it, it makes me really curious to see, you know, because I know my perspective and I know how I got into ham radio. But being able to see how other girls got into it as well, you know, would be really interesting to know. And I'm really glad I got to talk with them about that. What did you guys come up with? Here you are, you're talking about how you found it. And you, you should teach us how you came into this too. But what were some of the other ladies uh, talking about too? How did they get in? And did anything surprise you? Oh, yeah. A lot of girls were talking about how they came in through um, their family's interests in ham radio and stuff like that, which, you know, that's that's a little bit how I got into it as well. But it's not only how they got into it, but how they stayed and how they learned more and how they wanted to get their friends involved. A couple people were involved um, parks on the air, which is really interesting. I met a few girls who really liked um doing some of their own um, soldering experiments and things like that. Um, from my, my point of view, I'm really interested in the citizen science and um, you know the research involved in ham radio. And I'm involved in a couple organizations like HamSci, who do citizen science projects with scientists and ham radio operators. And um, that's, that's what's got me really excited about ham radio. And in the camp, I was able to uh, be exposed to these other perspectives and, um, you know, experiments like you were talking with the fox hunting and things like that. And I never knew, you know, that was a thing and um, was able to participate and, you know, see maybe that's something that I want to do again in the future. So, yeah. What would you advise? I mean, there's a lot of, um, I'm going to say this correctly, politics and I don't know if it gets into it, but there's a lot of leadership at the top here that kind of run the game and it, it's with businesses and you know the kind of corporate and all these sorts of things 
what would you advise as a woman you do to reach back? I mean, if you were tasked with the 100 Watson Wire task force on what we should do, what do you think? Well, it's interesting. I think we should just, um, you know, think back to the beginning of, you know, that right now we have all these distinctions between, you know, like YLs and OMs and all these things like that, especially in the United States. But ham radio is inherently about people and inclusivity, right? As hobbyists, we want to talk to other people from around the globe, sometimes closer, but a lot of times the point is like, you know, trying to make the farthest contact we can. But, you know, we also want to know what life is like for other people and where they live and hear their stories. So, you know, ham radio made the world a lot smaller long before the internet, you know, could help us make the world smaller and break down these borders. Um, and then like, again, at the same time in our, you know, preparations for emergencies, we want to get people out of hard or unsafe situations. And that is all about helping people because they're people too. So I feel like going back to that idea will really help people understand why it's so ham radio is so important and also why it can be really fun for anybody and everybody so. I, I hear these old boys on the radio and I say boys because it's predominantly guys that you you'll hear and and that you've mentioned a point about making these sort of long-term uh, contacts or these uh, long-distance contacts and you hear them in one way and they talk in a certain way and it's very inclusive it's or exclusive it's very uh, their own little bubble but the, the time that the DX comes out of, say, Kuwait or Lebanon or anywhere, and it's like, you're 5'9 and 10 over, Muhammad, my brother, and then shalom, shalom. Like, all of a sudden, we've forgotten about these weird conversations we're having in our own little pockets. And I think that's just an offshoot. So, I, But I do think there's an excitement when you reach across to a far-off place and you've actually done it and you both share that same interest is is really cool. I don't know how you harness that, you know, because not everybody's into the DXing or, 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 or whatever, but I have noticed that sometimes we'll put down our, uh, our opinions to make that long uh, DX contact. Uh, any, any thoughts on that? You don't have to. That was more of a, a semi-little rant or a, at least an observation. Yeah, well, I was kind of thinking back to the camp was hosted at the Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting, which was, you know, it was even cool to be able to to be there. But, you know, the whole point of the museum was to help get the truth in news out to to a lot of different countries. So that kind of your point kind of reminded me of that as well and how, you know, it's, you know, being helpful to other people to to hear the truth about things. So you mentioned uh, some of the terminology is the term YL an offensive thing that should be put down in in your estimation I mean I I'm not sure if it's as of like offensive but it, it it does show that there's like a distinct group within you know the group of ham radio and you know I guess we all just want to be involved in you know what what makes it fun for us so it's not necessarily offensive but you know it does show that there are like less I guess ladies in it than than other people. So, okay, uh, we've got a call from the IT department, uh, and it's uh, it's Paul. Let's see what he yes yes Paul. Mentioning that that was a note that I had made to to bring up. The term YL is not in itself offensive, just like OM. No. Um, but what is and has always kind of bugged me is that 
your YL until you marry, and all of a sudden you become an XYL. So it's like, um, you know that that's a thing that that's always kind of bugged me. It's like you're you're you know you're a young lady. That's all good until you marry a guy, whether he's a ham or not, and then all of a sudden you're an ex young lady. So that is a term that I think needs to go away. If we want to use YL and OM, fine, um, but stop with the distinction that you know says once you're married, you're no longer young. Yeah, you know, I had a, uh, a, I just had gotten on HFA. I, I don't know if that's good English or not. Probably not. Um, I had just started my uh, time on HF, probably 2015. Probably 90 watts. I don't think I was getting 100 watts out of the antenna at all. And the guy said, I can't hear you, old man. And I was like, oh. And I didn't know that this was some sort of terminology of being like, like good buddy. It's got that good buddy from the CB time. It was, I can't hear you, old man. And I instantly clutched the pearls like, you, I am not that. I, I was like, if, I could, if you could only hear what I'm saying. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, Karen, do you want to you want to touch on that point at all about the the YL? She's uh, readjusting her headset. Karen, did you want to talk about uh, YLs for a second? Yeah, please. Uh, sure. I've never found it offensive at all. Uh, I figured guys are OMs, women are YLs, and that's fine. I I think it's kind of fun that we have our own shorthand like anything else. Uh, XYL. Now, this is interesting what Paul said because I had always assumed an XYL was the wife of a ham radio operator, not a married YL. I assumed that if you're an XYL, you aren't necessarily uh, a female ham, that you're just married to an OM. And that was my understanding, but that's probably wrong. Uh, I... I don't think we should be that sensitive about it. I think what matters more is the attitude that people have about these things. I've really never had, <laughs> watch me eat my words this week on the air, but I've never really had a problem. Um, in fact, I find being a YL, uh, if people want to give me courtesy in a pileup, well, hey, I'm 100 watts. I don't have an amp yet. If they hear my voice... And the guy calling QRZ says, I hear a YL down in the pileup. They're going to open the door for me and let me walk through the door. I'm all for it because I that's, want that contact. Yeah. That, and it's that's, cool. good for, yeah. that's good for another mm -hmm. 6 to 10 dB. Oh, yeah. The, mm -hmm. It's a pileup buster. Yeah. I, I want to say, we got the power. You know, and I like that. Let me I ask you, let like me ask you, so let, me, let me ask mm -hmm. you a question. Would you be offended if there was a term called old lady you know ol hey oh hey ol because I, I don't i don't dig the old man frankly i mean i good get question. it I, I, but it is good ol oh, i hey, think old lady. i would be yeah i think anything old is ageist and if you're talking about inclusion you're talking about the demographic by age by race by everything by by whatever it might be I think to start labeling uh, by age and being deferential that way or marginally or even greatly disrespectful, yeah, that would kind of get my yeah. 
get it, my uh, whatever's in a twist. Yeah, it, it did me like that. Mm-hmm. But but anyway, Frank, mm-hmm. Frankie, anything mm-hmm. uh, anything on what we've uh, said here? You want to comment on? Oh yeah, I I just think that that's a lot of good points with the with the the O versus the Y and stuff like that. But I, I don't really have anything else to comment on that. All right, let's talk about your big brain. You go to Case Western uh, Reserve. Um, and you were in college, so the whole, the whole, like you know, the young lady thing and the uh, and the youth thing, I think is, I think you're you're getting out of that, that whole thing. It's like you don't now. It's like you know, you could you could be an industry leader. Uh, you're in to different clubs. Um, so what is your focus on now? I mean, when you're you're in college now, what are you going to study? And, and is ham radio going to help that study at all? Oh yeah, I definitely think ham radio is going to help my studies. Um, right now, I'm gonna go into my sophomore year. I'm taking a lot of summer classes right now because um, I'm actually a double major in um, material science and engineering is one of my majors, and then also dance. And I'm also studying Spanish, so I have a lot of different, a lot of different focuses in my studies. But I'm also a part of W8EDU, which is Case's Amateur Radio Club. And I have to say, it's the coolest call sign ever that we're a college club and we get to have EDU, you know, as mm. part of our station. Um, but, you know, I actually was brought to the university because of ham radio. I was um, presenting with my brother at a conference that was held at Case. And I had actually never heard of the university before that. And afterward, I left with all this knowledge of, you know, these people that love ham radio at the school, you know, how they can help me in engineering and how I can also study dance while I'm studying engineering. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, And it made me so excited to go there. So I'm doing well so far and I'm getting to do all these different clubs that I like to do um, outside of ham radio as well. So I'm just living the dream right now with my studies. That's perfect. You mentioned uh, engineering. I mean, what what aspect of engineering are you going to uh, go toward? Yeah, originally I thought I was going to do something um, like along mechanical engineering, but I started taking some classes about materials. Um, I took like an impact of materials on society class and then a chemistry of materials class. And I was like, materials are just so cool because they, you know, make up everything that we we use. And they can also, it could also be a bridge that connects some of my more arts studies with my engineering studies. So I'm, I'm gonna do materials engineering. I'm not sure the concentration, I could do like structural or electrical materials. I'm not really sure yet, but but that's kind of the pathway I'm headed down right now. How are you physically and mentally dealing with the fact that you are still studying ballet at a college level? Which it, it excites me because when you become an engineer, you will support the arts and you will give back and you'll understand what it is to have that love of dance or ballet specifically. How are you physically holding up? Because I know uh, what it takes to uh, pursue this art form. It's not like a painting where you can kind of sit and be sleepy and yawn and chew gum and be like, I don't know, I'm not inspired. You're in that class (laughs) and and you're doing uh, tondus uh, just so every day. How are you holding up with uh, your mind and uh, your study and pursuit of ballet? 
Well, it, it's just been awesome to be able to do it. Um, I remember in high school, it was really difficult for me. I was studying ballet at a really high level at the time. And a lot of my friends were actually quitting high school or going to online high school so that they could spend more time in the studio. And of course, part of me was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know, to be able to do that so that they could further their dance career and stuff like that. But I just... There was so much stuff and so much learning that I didn't want to give up. So I was like, well, I might may not be able to be a professional dancer right now, but I, I know that I, I want to be an engineer. So I'll, I'll start looking and see if I can be able to do both. And, you know, my parents really helped me a lot with that. But I like learned about Case's dance program and I was like, there's no way that I can do both. And they're like, oh, yeah. And it's so funny because a lot of my friends are like, oh, yeah, I'm data science and dance or I'm political science and dance. And it's like there's so many people that have found this love of ballet, but they've also been able to apply it to some of their other um, classes and things like that. And I feel like the best part has been that it's built into my schedule, um, you know, right into my class schedule. Whereas in high school, it's like I had school and then I had to run over to the theater and, uh, you know, have my ballet classes from, you know, whatever, 4 to 10 p.m. and then go home and keep doing my homework. But at school, it's I have my, you know, engineering classes in the morning, my dance classes in the afternoon, and then I get to go, you know, do some yoga or other things to, to help me with my dance stuff, but it's built right into my schedule. So I don't have to feel like I need to make time for it or, you know, hurt my engineering studies if I decide to take more dance classes. It's I, I get both, you know, yeah. and it's, that's awesome. Yeah, right on. I, there's so many options for people to take camps and different things in the summer. You did the uh, Yoda camp. What would you say, even if you didn't go back and you, you've already you started your career or whatever, or you do go back, whatever, what would you say to people that may be thinking about that camp, um, some of the benefits that you took away from it? Oh, yeah. I feel like the biggest benefit for me was absolutely meeting other young people. My brother's a ham as well, but, you know, um, there's there's nothing like meeting other people who are interested in the hobby for completely different reasons and being able to... To, to learn about those reasons as well. And I feel that I've made some friends, you know, people, some people lived in Wisconsin or Idaho, which is far away, I live in Ohio. So I have made, made friends um, in person that I might, might have only been able to meet on the air. So I feel like that was the biggest benefit for me um, going to the camp and I would definitely go again and I'm, I'm gonna tell my brother to go next year too. Cool. cool. Well, it's been uh, great. I, I know everybody's got things to do, and, and we're going to cover a little news. You're welcome to hang out with us if you like. I can announce officially that we're going to fire Sidecar Steve. He's in Hawaii for two weeks. He doesn't even, he won't even know. But the new, the new Sidecar is now uh, Frankie. So, sorry, guys. <laughs> just, just kidding. But uh, he may join us a little later. You're welcome to hang out. We're going to do a little news if you, if you want to hang out. And... Um, this conversation may extend if I know this crew, my brother and sister from Amateur Radio Newsline. Let me bring them in. You you can hang tight if you like. And uh, all right, guys, anything, I mean, there's a good discussion. I can't see all the stuff going on in the chat, but what are you seeing there uh, on this topic? And uh, is it just uh, leave people alone? My father had a very simple philosophy, leave people alone. You cut yourself, get a get a cut, leave it alone, leave people alone. Um, any anything more on this topic that we need to uh, 
to talk about, guys. First, I would like to say that having been one of those people that got fired while I was on vacation, I feel for Steve. Yeah, well. Not not too much, but I do feel for him. I spend my whole day in HR. The 100 Watson Y HR department is full of you and you <laughs> and Steve, like, has a cot. He's always inappropriate, <laughs> and he's always in HR. But uh, what did you get fired from when you were on vacation? That's really bad. That's I was the IT guy for an accounting firm, and they brought in a new HR person who was just bad news, and she decided that we didn't need an IT person, so she you know, smiled and sent me on vacation and then told the partners that they need to eliminate my job. So I got back from vacation and my stuff was all boxed up. That's lame. Yep. That's lame. Karen, anything further on... Uh, you know, being inclusive and diverse and, you know, maybe things don't even always need to be said, but it just feels like there's not enough being said. And the well, things that are being said don't touch on that. And it's like a spinning wheel in the mud. And I sit back and I go, guys, if you want to create a broader community, it seems it's not a noble idea. It's it's kind of what it is, is if, you know, people might come around if you just thought that way. Go ahead, Karen. I think what matters most, if we're not, we should have the dialogue, but I think what the dialogue should not eclipse the action. I think what matters more is what we do, even if we do it quietly and we don't talk much about it. If we're doing it, we're doing it. And that's really what matters. I think if you hang a sign up that says, we are inclusive and diverse, you know, that almost seems forced. I think it should be something that comes naturally to us because we are communicators. Radio, it's what you hear. It's not what you see. You don't know who's at the mic or on the straight key or, or whatever you may be using to transmit. You never know and really doesn't matter because what we're sharing is our experience, our thoughts, our call signs uh, and the exchange. But we're building community, and I don't think you always need to hang a label on it. I think the time for discussion comes when you see deliberate exclusion. And then you have to say, hey, there's something here we need to remedy. You're, you're cutting people out of this community. You're not letting them in on the experience. That's a problem. That I have trouble with. But I think sometimes, <coughs> and as someone who's spent most of my life in the media, earning my living that way um you can talk it to death you can make it an academic exercise that has nothing to do with your true actions but if you just get out there and do it and live it and do it by example i would think 90 percent of the folks out there will will simply follow and and not try to put the put the great news up in neon lights that they're doing it just do your I thing agree. Mm -hmm. um, if you have whoever shows up to your club and wants to join and hang out with you, it doesn't matter. Welcome them all alike. Make them all feel um, make them all feel part of it. Um, I had Karen. You know about this. Um, I'm president of our club, and uh, we uh, we resurrected an old logo that an, uh, an older member had come up, and I thought it would be cool as a retro thing to put that in, and um, it it uh, it includes you know the the logo is all about 
hands across the world and inclusion and stuff. And I got an email from a member who thankfully is now a former member was an exceptionally hateful and racist email about how I was ruining this thing and how these people were destroying our country and stuff. And I'm like, whoa, dude, you do not need to belong to our group. And um, that's the kind of thing you just, you can't let that sort of thing um, uh, deter you and, 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 you know, change anything. It's like, I, I just really, that's the first time that had ever happened to me directly. And uh, it reminded me of a lot of the problems we still have. And it also unfortunately reminded me of the history of the town that I live in. So um, it comes up. Uh, it just comes up. That's the thing. And, yeah, you know, if people are looking at the 100 Watts and Wire community and you're seeing something inclusive, great. I think it is that way. It was set up that way. The moderators act that way, both wherever they go. There's no kind of, you know, you can't. You can't be that sort of person like you let go. You know, they sort of weed themselves out and it's kind of self-policing. It's the fact that the question keeps coming up. How do we get the youth? You know, and it's like, okay, here we go again. It's like not the things that we do. Like you're saying, do it. Do the do the fox hunts or do the this and do the that. Fly the balloons. Go that and do that. Yes, continue to do that. But what are you missing? And it's like they can't see it. They just can't see it. And I'm like, try letting the ladies and the people of color in. Try, like, exposing people. Let, oh, just open the door and see who and comes I, around. And I think one of the keys, and this was the entire theory and the entire planning driving force behind Yoda Camp, is not to be a bunch of old guys trying to teach the kids, well, this is how you do things. It's like set up the framework and kind of be there to kind of chaperone and supervise if they have questions, but let them do it. Let them set up the events and the activities and learn and talk amongst themselves and let them get excited and invested in it in their own way. And that's the way to get them to stay in it. And by doing that, they will get excited about the hobby and then they will talk to their friends and they will get some of their friends involved and their friends will get licensed and join. The thing is not to tell them how to do things. It's kind of like to give them some guidance and give them some ideas and framework and let them, you know what it was like when you were a kid, you didn't want adults telling you what to do. You wanted to do it your own way. And I mean, the, if at a camp like that, the adults should be there. If they're going to do something that's clearly dangerous then they should kind of step in and say, mm, no, nah, that's not a good idea. But other than that, let them make mistakes. Let them learn and do things their own way. And that will get them excited and involved. Have At least that's, that's the way I see it. Talking to my <laughs> new co-host, Frankie, uh, when, you say, when you talk to her, you can realize that they may not think the same way we're thinking. You know, the people that are coming up now, the generations behind us, they're not necessarily carrying the same baggage and opinions right. and processes that we came through, you know. And, you know, so kind of like my dad would say, you know, leave it like a very complicated man, but it could be a very simple man, too. Leave it, leave, leave, leave him alone. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's kind of what it was. So maybe not applying our old ways and thoughts to these people because they've got their own. They're, she's well, smart. 
Yeah. Speaking of baggage, speaking of baggage, uh, my my baggage uh, at age 12 prevented me from becoming a ham. I was studying for my novice and I got my code and I started studying the theory and I figured I'd get my license, I'd get my novice. I wanted to be a ham at age 12. And then one day I remember saying, what am I doing? I'm a 12-year-old girl. Mistake number one, right? But that was the time when girls didn't really flock to amateur radio. I'm a 12-year-old girl. What am I doing? And that was it. After all that studying and after all that effort, I said, I, I should, what am I doing with electronics theory? What am I studying this for? Yeah. That was stupid. That was stupid. Okay, so we waited a few years. We got our ticket much later, but we got it. But this is a different time now, and I'm happy to see a lot of girls, 12 and younger, getting their ticket because they don't have that baggage. Yeah, and the the uh, promotion of, of the STEM programs for the younger people, mm-hmm. especially for, for young women, um, is is important because, you know, as we are starting to learn as things come out. Um, there are some amazing women throughout history who have come up with some of the stuff that has driven, you know, driven society that were, were uh, not allowed to get the, the, the glory that they deserved. Um, you know, like we were just talking about the, uh, and right now my brain blanked out the, the woman who just went up in the, uh, in Bezos's flight, um, who had trained back at the beginning of the space program, she had trained to become an astronaut. She was qualified to become an astronaut. And then she was told, well, we don't let women fly in space. So her whole life, she was trained and ready for this. And now she finally at least got to go into space. Um, or if you, if you read the book, or if you've seen the movie Hidden Figures, the the person who designed all of the math that allowed Apollo 11 to go to the moon and come back was a woman who led a group of women mathematicians and programmers who did all of the math and everything they did was hidden behind the men in the department and they were the ones who got the credit for it until recently so you know and and if you look at the history of Hedy Lamarr um which is just mind-blowing. I mean, a, a glamorous movie star who was also a brilliant scientist and inventor. And she and a, a partner developed the system for, because they had seen um, a torpedoes that were able to sink Allied ships, and she and her partner came up with a system that would allow the control signals to Allied torpedoes to be scrambled so that they couldn't be jammed. And the, you know, the military said, nah, you're a girl. What we need you to do is we need you to go out there and be pretty and raise funds. And the technology, they they then took her technology and used it and took credit for it. But what she developed turned into spread spectrum um, radio, which is the basis of almost everything we do today. Cell phones, Wi-Fi, everything. And it's only in recent years where she was allowed to get the credit for what she came up for. And so stuff like that doesn't encourage young women to get into science and technology. 
man, I could go on and on. I just think I, I know some of the people were going to lose them, but that, you know, it's all right. Um, and I think about the recording industry, the record industry specifically. There's a great book called Hitman out there, and it'll teach you how the business of records and sales went in the early days and what DJs, back when DJs had power and money and what have you, uh, and how people were treated uh, with their record deals and uh, just give them some weed and some uh, some beer and a Cadillac. But, oh, before you go on tour, please sign your name here and give us all the publishing. I mean, see, now I'm going to rant. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Let's let's do two stories. Thank you for indulging me, everybody in the community. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it that everybody's welcome here, and it always has been, and as long as I'm around, always will be. But uh, I appreciate your indulgence. This is the portion of the program where we pick two news stories from this week. One, you may have heard, and the other, perhaps, you didn't heard. Do you like that? This is why I'm not the editor. You didn't heard it. Go ahead and laugh. You can laugh at me. It's fine. Karen, let's start. You didn't hear it. I know the right word. The chat's like, oh, Lord, he's at it again. No. What did we find in, uh, oh, I'm oh, sorry. My co-host is there. Sorry. We'll come back and talk <laughs> ballet with her again. Uh, what what's happening today that we need to be aware of, uh, Karen? Okay, this is uh, this happened a week ago. Okay, this is a great accomplishment by an extremely new amateur radio club in Colorado, the San Luis Valley Amateur Radio Association, with uh, a small group of hams, some of whom had just gotten their license. They decided they were going to be first-time activators of a soda summit, Sergeant's Mesa. There they are. There they are. And look behind them, and you'll see uh, what they encountered on their way up to the summit, which the summit was 11,724 feet Hmm. up. Sergeant's Mesa is the home to Soldier Stone. Now, look at that. That's beautiful granite memorial. It is not prominent. It is not all that well-known. It was created by a military veteran after the Vietnam War. And it is a tribute to the uh, Vietnamese, uh, Laotian, uh, Cambodian, and other uh, people in Vietnam who fought alongside the American GIs, uh, many of them taking the same risks and some of them suffering a terrible, terrible fate. Uh, The president of the club, Bob, uh, N-O-1-P-B, Bob is a pastor. So Bob led everybody in a short prayer service at the memorial and then everybody went up a little higher on the summit and got on 20 meters and got on two meters and did their activation and came back with 61 contacts and an accomplishment that they had activated for the very first time this beautiful and what they're calling sacred location. Uh, An incredible story, a real pleasure uh, to speak to them about it and to present that on amateur radio newsline well done well done paul what do you think 
I it's one of those feel good stories that you like to you like to do, um, not only because it was a first time soda activation. They all thought this would be fun, and that's a long way to climb. Um, but then, you know, the the history and and the the taking the time to honor. Uh, those that that memorial is for, I think, really made it a, a special part of that event, and uh, you know that that's a, a part of that time in history that a lot of people aren't aware of. And uh, I mean, in in any war, there's always some people that helped fight alongside our troops that that you know are forgotten for the most part, and I think that uh, you know deserve to get the recognition for the sacrifices that they made. All right. Beautiful. Anything else, Karen? Uh, that's the kind of thing that gets me inspired to go up there. Unfortunately, um, the summits around here, I have to go south, which is kind of bizarre. I've got to go a couple hours south to get to a summit. <laughs> doesn't make sense, but I kind of understand it. Uh, but that's why I haven't really gone on a summit. But I think if there's a purpose-driven activation like that, I want to get in there. Well, yeah, I think what what appealed to me about this story is... First of all, it's a new, uh, the club is not even two years old. Uh, the hams are recent tickets. And the story of the monument, my goodness, that, that alone is compelling enough. It's just, it has all the right elements and, and a good spirit uh, among the, uh, the hams who went there. They all knew what they had to do. They, had a, they did have a great time. They took gorgeous pictures and... Now they're moving on to do other things. And I predict for this club uh, a long lifetime for them as a club and a lot more great things. I think we can look forward to hearing from these folks again. What are we going to say, Paul? And no, I, I uh, and now I totally forgot what my thought. Oh, for you, um, does Cahokia Mounds count as a summit? Oh, man. That's a cool place. I don't know how they'd feel about you, uh, I'd want to put well, a dipole up there, and but it, yeah. it's, it's a good little I mean, hike, but I don't sac- think it registers as one. It is a sacred burial ground as well, so. I don't know. There's a small museum right you know, right there, and there's several mm-hmm. mounds. Guys, look up Cahokia Mounds. It's now a state park that was saved by your great state, Paul. Um, in recent times, it wasn't always um, a protected entity there, but the Cahokia Mounds is an impressive place and i bet you they'd almost be okay with an activation there just wouldn't qualify as anything other than like super cool and i like native people studies so um or a parks on the air activation i guess so if it's as part of the state parks you know i don't think it is a national but state for sure and that's how they got that protection so maybe one day they can get it bumped up to a but right across the river you know the st louis arch uh, and that's, yeah, I want to see you activate from the, the observation room at the top of the arch. Yeah. Just drop an antenna out of the window. Many people say, load it up, dude, load it up. <laughs> I guess I take the clippers and somehow <laughs> I get some alligator clips and stick it on the Big arch. alligator clip on the bottom, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that works. But I've activated it. And, boy, you talk about the pileups. This was back in 2016 where you everybody was doing the national parks. But to your point, Cahokia Mounds, that's a, that's a good hike up there. Not your soda type of thing, but really cool history. Check that out if you want. i got a book behind me about it. Uh, Story number two, Paul. What do we need to know about for story number two? Well, story number two is something that a lot of us can recognize and uh, associate with. 
um, in Framingham, Massachusetts, a, uh, a ham in a neighborhood got a building permit to put up an 80-foot tower behind his house. Zoning board said, okay. And so then he, uh, he started to get ready to pour the foundation. Uh, and and he, he dug the hole. He put the concrete and all the anchors and stuff in. And then the neighbors decided to complain. They, uh, they, were, they were appalled and angry, and this was going to totally just, they can't believe that the zoning board did this to them, and this was going to destroy all of their property values, and, and their health was at risk, and they were all going to get sick and die and everything. So he's, he said, all right, all right, I'll, I'll stop for now, and we'll, we'll you know, discuss this with the zoning board. And it was it was quite a while because the the first story uh, was at the end of 2019, and it took until just now for the zoning board uh, to finally uh, or a judge actually said, "Now um, he's allowed um, uh, amateur radio antennas are considered you know exempt from what you're saying," and I mean that's that's you know an example i mean he doesn't have his up yet but he finally got approval uh on the fourth of july to go ahead and put up his antenna tower i don't see a problem uh, here does anybody see a problem this is gorgeous to me i know it looks like a Um, a christmas ornament or something lovely yeah his name is mikhail Filipov. he's kd1 mf and um yeah so he finally gets to put up his tower and uh, I mean, he had the plans and everything was all ready. It was all, you know, from what I can tell, it was all planned out well and all well, going to be all well constructed. And then, then the neighbors just, you know, got all grumpy and started complaining and filing and everything. And he had to stop for a while, but uh, he gets to go ahead and he gets to put up his tower. It's, it's only, it's 80 feet. And uh, some of the neighbors were saying, well, why does he need that? Well, can't he just do something lower? And it's like, well, no, I've done all the studies, and to do what I want to do, it needs to be 80 feet. Hmm. And so the judge said, okay, you can go ahead. So uh, the zoning dispute was uh, settled in his favor, and he gets to put up his tower. So, um, you know, it, it, they don't always come out that well, um, but in this case, it, it worked out. And it's interesting, because while I was, while I was Googling for this story, the original story, I came across a website from a law firm who said, we've got, we've got the arrows in the quiver. If you've got some ham in your neighborhood who wants to put up a tower, we can help you block it. Oh, geez. And I'm like, they actually are advertising that we're the law firm that can get those, those, those hams just want to take over your neighborhood and put up unhealthy things, and they're dangerous to you and your family, and we can stop it. And I'm like, oh, great. How much business do you think they drum up on that line? What a waste. Oh, yeah, I know. Karen, do HOAs suck? Yes, early and often. <laughs> well, now, early and often. <laughs> now, I have to defend. I, will, I know you're now, one of the bosses of the HOAs. Well, now, I get let, it. Yeah, let me, let me say this. Let you explain. I do, I do not deny that some HOAs are unreasonable. And absolutely will, I mean, absolutely are evil. But now I live in, in a condo in a neighborhood. And f- for years, I've been president of the HOA. And 
the first time I mentioned that when I was talking about my antennas, I, I don't remember if it was on a, a QRZ forum or if it was on, on 100. I hope it wasn't 100. But I just got jumped on and slammed about my privilege and I'm doing something that nobody else can do because I'm taking advantage. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. I'm taking advantage of the fact that I'm the president to educate the rest of the board that what we are, what we do, if I put up an antenna, the things that it will not do to the neighborhood. So I took advantage of my position as board president to educate, and, and I have opened it up if other hams at some point decide to move into our neighborhood. Now, clearly, I'm not going to be allowed to string up dipoles out back, and I can't put up a tower, but I do have two verticals, and uh, HF verticals, and I have a 2440 vertical and things. So within my limits, I'm, I'm able to have antennas outside, and that's because I worked hard to educate our board as to what we do and, and the benefits and the things that we won't do, how we're not going to destroy property values and we're not going to make you sick and we're not going to destroy your television. So, you know, if you really want to try to make a change, get on the board and then mm. teach them what amateur radio is. Some boards are still going to be eight alpha hotels. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's some time you just can't get around that. But, uh, you know, at least you have to try and educate them and try to try to make a change. Yeah, because you can't just always choose. I mean, you choose where you want to live. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you hear people on the air and they're like, HOA's up. Oh, I would never move there. You never, you know, who knows where you're going to be and what you need to do at whatever point in your life. So it's kind of hard to say. I Agreed. like the approach that you've uh, taken to kind of get involved and maybe change the at least where you are. You know, yeah. and then make sure they cut the grass just an inch and a quarter. You make sure the HOAs has got it all sorted out and you do my yard work and you take the leaves away. Yep. I, uh, I've i got radials for my, uh, my, my verticals out in. They have to go under the fence of my courtyard and out into the common area. And I also was able to educate our lawn service. You know, the first time they saw the wires coming under the fence and the first time they ripped them all up, it's like, no, no, I stapled them down to the ground. Just don't worry about it. You're going to mow over them. By the next time you come back, you won't even see them. And, and it's worked out. So, And, yeah, that's one of the things that irritates me when I see a discussion about somebody who says, you know, I, we just moved and, and we're in an HOA and I need to come up with something that'll work. And people just jump all over. And it's like, well, you were stupid enough to join a neighborhood that's got an HOA. I'd never do that. And it's like, in some communities, you do not have a choice. There are some communities, and you may have had to go there for family, or you may have had to go there for a job, and you may not have a choice. All of the neighborhoods in that community may be controlled by an HOA, which is extremely common nowadays. So it's not a, it's not a case of you were stupid enough to move into a place with an HOA. You may not have had a choice. So you have to try to work to make things better for yourself in that case. I'm cool with leaving it there. What about you, Karen? Anything further on that? Yeah, I'm thinking uh, what Paul did. I think that approach is great. I've, I've heard the saying, hold your friends close and your enemies closer. And not that the HOA is necessarily an enemy, but I think the best way to create change is from within. 
not from the outside. So, you know, be part of it. You know, be the change. What infiltrate? Be the tr- what is it? Be the change you hope to see. Whatever that's. Yeah, was. I got to get that I book know. off the thing. All those yeah. proverbs and special things yeah. that I'm supposed to live mm-hmm. by. Yeah, Paul is there the change. Go. He's the change. Well, thank you both very much, uh, and for a bit of an extended stay today. I know I put you on uh, double, triple duty. All these opinions you were asked today about uh, all this sort of thing. So I appreciate that. Plus the news stories. Interesting That's stuff. Fine. Yet again. Oh, okay. Paul's fine with uh, next week, HOAs. We infiltrate. We'll take the camera inside. We're going to go to the meeting with Paul. He'll show us all those alpha hotels. We'll pixelate their vision so you yeah. don't really know who they are, but they're, you know who they are. And yeah. we'll go inside. This is good, Karen. <laughs> I think this will be a great uh, undercover story. Under- Undercover, 100 watts in a wire goes into the HOA. Yeah, okay, write that down. We're going we're gonna to do that. Uh, you got a camera, right, Paul? We'll, we'll work on that. He's yes, answering we'll email. We've already hit the, the time limit. I you. think we need to equip Paul with a body cam. Oh, yeah. yeah great. Right, right in, the, right in your belly button. Put it right in your <laughs> belly button and you just turn. Mm. Just, why does mm. he turn, turn like that? So strange. Yep. Or the bow tie. We'll like a a, Wear a crop top, you know, one of those. Oh cool no! Oh, a crop no, top, no. Paul. <laughs> no, okay, no, no. Now no, everybody, no. I can hear them clicking off. They're like, nobody <laughs> wants that. Uh, no, no, I can't no. do it. No, thanks, guys. We'll catch up with you again next week. Appreciate you. Seven three. Okay. Made in America, shared worldwide. This is one hundred watts and a wire. There are several ways to support the content you enjoy. Here's another. Visit 100wattsandawire.com. Click support. And one I'm really excited about is called Buy Me a Coffee. It's so simple. It is just that easy. It's almost like a tip jar for supporting the content you enjoy. Plus, it doesn't take up to 12% of your donation. Plus, we've got different membership level opportunities. We could do all sorts of things behind-the-scenes looks, exclusive teaching sessions. It's all in there like ragu. Flexibility, no long-term commitments, no sign-up, no account needed, just support. Just like buying me a coffee. Think about it. We've got a sustaining membership program you could look into. $3 a month gets you access to participating businesses. It's a win-win-win. Check it out at 100wattsandawire.com. Click the support tab and thanks. More contacts, less alpha hotels. This is 100 watts and a wire. But um, your signal from Anderson, Indiana is, is quite good here. Six feet we'll get back to answering uh, some of your questions. You know, please leave your comments and your thoughts. Always welcome. I appreciate you. And uh, have a great day. Stay cool out there. Uh, July and part of August here are almost unbearable. You think your toes would melt together. It's ridiculous. Thanks to Frankie, Paul, uh, Karen, and all of you guys for stopping by. We will uh, rock out another stream soon. Subscribe and click the notification bell. That way you'll know uh, what's happening. We're also following the progress on a story of a missing vessel off the Jersey Shore reported on that yesterday. No new news to report as far as uh, I can tell this morning, but we'll keep you posted on what happens there. Uh, The crew is missing. 
the uh, vessel was missing, and in an effort to give you emergency information, uh, we're passing that along to you as well. 73 for now. We'll catch up uh, on the Discord, on the Facebook, on the Twitters, and on the air. 73, take care of yourselves. And by all means, if you can, please try and stay above the noise. To join the 100 Watts in a Wire community, visit 100wattsinawire.com.